bring that optimism, bring that hope. And I think that general goodness that we put out into the world is also really healing for our bodies. And that would be my last message is that you are, you are powerful. You can be empowered. Sometimes you have to look harder for it, but it's there. Welcome to the Let's Start Health podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Haynes. We live in a noisy world, and this space is intended to bring you clarity, enrich your bank of wellness knowledge, and inspire you to kickstart your journey to healing body, mind, and soul. I'll be interviewing industry professionals and bringing you raw, real, and personal stories of healing through gut health, intuitive eating, and the power of the abundance mindset. Thank you so much for tuning in and getting curious. Your journey to healing starts now. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Let's Start Health. Today, I have an amazing guest and friend, Carrie Bolig, and I am so excited to have you here on the show today, Carrie. Thank you. We have so many exciting things to talk about. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive right in and hand the microphone on over to you and ask if you wouldn't mind, please sharing a bit about your personal story of healing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is just a really important topic to me and definitely hits home. So um, yeah, I've, I've been a pretty healthy person overall my whole life. Um, always been into athletics and, you know, run a number of businesses now. So would always consider myself a performer. And it wasn't until I had my first child where I was just hit with a lot of challenges and health issues. And they were all very much undiagnosed for actually probably two plus years. And so I went from being like a really healthy, energetic, thriving person um, to really, really, really struggling for a long time. And the combination of having a newborn baby who I was absolutely in love with to also thinking I was dying and just not getting answers was a really, really hard combination. Um, and I probably went to a hundred different doctor's appointments in that two years. So it wasn't like I was like in denial or pushing things under the rug. I was really actively in the pursuit of trying to figure out what the heck was wrong with me and just not getting the right answer. So um, a couple of years later, though, I was able to find out that I did have um, Hashimoto's, so the thyroid autoimmune disease. And in so many ways, it was actually really relieving. It was a really validating update because finally, for the first time, I didn't think I was just completely crazy. Because most of the time people just told me, oh, you just have anxiety, like, you know, do these things, try this, do yoga, meditation, which of course are all healthy, helpful things, but they don't necessarily combat an autoimmune illness. So it was a really interesting journey. I learned a ton. I learned a lot about the medical system, about myself, about being a really good advocate. And um, yeah, I, I have just an immense level of empathy and support for people who have their own health journey as a function of that. So I don't regret the process that I had to go to, to figure things out for myself. That's absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that. And I think, Carrie, one of the things that 
uh, has always attracted me to you and the work that you do is that you do operate from this baseline of abundance and not at all from this scarcity or victim mindset. And you are very well-spoken about all of it. So we're going to circle back around and talk a little bit more about everything that you went through. But first, I just want to talk a little bit more about the struggle itself. So can you please back up in time a little bit and share with our listeners, you know, you, you mentioned you were this thriving, healthy person. You had your amazing, beautiful, perfect first baby. And then all of a sudden things started changing. So mm-hmm. what were those things, those signs or symptoms that you just started realizing something wasn't quite right? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is just the level of anxiety, physical anxiety I was going through. If I could describe it going back, I would say I needed a tranquilizer. That's how revved up my whole body was. Um, And there was a lot of different things. I had neuralgia on my scalp and across my face for about eight months Mm -hmm. until I was able to access a brain MRI. Um, so just like all sorts of really random different parts of the body were responding in their own way and creating really confusing symptoms that really couldn't be pinpointed to any one thing at that point. So a wide range. Yeah. And I love that you bring awareness to just this level of, you you said physical anxiety. And I think for a lot of people who struggle and are on the journey to healing from mental I don't even want to say illness, but you know, just when something just doesn't feel right and how those things manifest in the body. So what is neuralgia and how did you said you got an MRI? What was that all about? Yeah. So yeah, I had nerve pain across Mm -hmm. my whole head and then across this side of my face. Um, So just like shooting chronic every minute of the day pain. Um, yeah so I definitely at that point I mean that had never happened to me it lasted over eight months um and it was I was really lucky when they finally said okay we'll give you a brain MRI because I just wanted to know that I wasn't dying I can handle pain like if I know I'm not dying and I just have to go through pain I can deal with it but just the deeper fear of like I have a brain tumor or I mean we could go down a lengthy list of ideas I'm pretty creative in terms of what I thought I had at the time I'm sure Dr. Google didn't help any of that either (laughs) no the amount of time I spent on my phone or on my computer is really intense because I wasn't getting answers from the people I was going to so it was like my mission in life and when it's your everyday every minute issue it becomes almost a little bit obsessive on trying to find answers on my own. And so I remember someone asking me, how does it feel to be like a stay-at-home free mom? And I was like, I don't know, I'm at the doctor on my computer a lot. (laughs) It really (laughs) caught me off guard. I was like, oh, that's a really good question. Um, And it was interesting too, because being a new mom, I do feel like I cherished every single moment in a very different way than I would have if I didn't have all these issues. So like I was really dialed in. Every holiday I thought maybe gonna be my last and it was just this like extra focus and gratitude that I felt in all of those moments and so I think that was a really interesting element that I don't know is good or bad but it was just the way it played out in my experience with it all yeah maybe an unexpected silver lining to all of it Mm -hmm. right so you talked about that feeling of 
becoming obsessive almost with it. And I love to talk about that for a minute because I know there's a lot of people listening to this and even myself who may be dealing with some type of chronic symptom in their body and it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when you're feeling like you are not being heard or you are being dismissed by one doctor after the next. So I want to ask you, what, what was that drive that just allowed you to be relentless in your pursuit of finding answers and finding healing? Mm -hmm. I know this sounds a little dramatic, but like the deeper will to stay alive and try and be healthy. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't dying, but it felt like that. And I think just the fight to like try and get answers and get some help. I, I don't think people should suffer unnecessarily. I mean, suffers, suffering is a huge part of life and it has its place, but I didn't feel like I needed to be suffering without attempting to get access to the right resources and tools. And I was up for anything. Like you could have told me to do really weird, random things. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it. Like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, there's a beautiful quote by a woman that I, I really value within the more functional medicine space. And she said, a sick person has one dream and that's to be healthy. A healthy person has thousands of dreams. And so again, it was that narrow-minded focus to, you know, knock that out so that I could really regain that bigger perspective and bigger dream in my life. And it was interesting because I do a lot of business coaching. I coach people on mindset. I coach people on having a positive attitude and positive thought process. So that was definitely an interesting Um, dichotomy of like what I was going through internally and what I was teaching and helping other people with. Um, I would say in a lot of ways, the coaching really helped. Like those moments were the moments I could for just minutes or an hour, take the the spotlight off of myself and lean into helping other people. And I think that's another suggestion I have for people is deal with your stuff but also figure out ways to breathe life into other people because it gives you a reprieve from your own mental battle and physical battle. And it just feels pretty remarkable to be able to serve and help other people in those moments. So one suggestion that went a long way for me. Amazing. I love that so much. And it's actually one that I also suggest for people. And when I talk about going through a divorce five years ago and all of the things that it brought up for me and my childhood abandonment issues, one of the really pivotal things that just like what you said, allowed me to get out of my own head, out of my own story, out of my own grief Mm -hmm. was the fact that I was teaching yoga full time. So I was able to be of service to others in a way that allowed me to just come out of that grief, just like you said, even for that moment to show up for the greater good and to be there for others. So this was beautiful because my next question was about that quote. And, and you said her name, um, Isabella. Isabella Wentz. Yeah. Yes. I'm so excited to look more into her. I I have not heard of her yet. And I love this quote so much and it's so true. And it, and it reminds me of many conversations that I have with my clients and you know, if we don't have our health, we have nothing. Mm-hmm. Like you said, a healthy person has endless dreams and goals and desires, but someone who is sick and suffering has but one, and that's just to feel good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of touched a little bit on this grief process a little bit, but is there anything else you'd like to add to that? You know, as far as did you feel at, at any point, in addition to feeling physically ill, that you were also grieving 
an older version of you or a different, or I guess I should say a, essentially a younger previous version of you yeah. that seeming like was no more. Absolutely. I think there's definitely a grieving process. And I think a piece of that too, especially with things hormone related, like the thyroid issue, I think the level of complication with the information is also a grieving process. Like I have to just like take on so much more education in my life to understand what's even happening to me. And that's a huge time investment that has to come from somewhere. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> with the monetary investment. And mm. so I think there's a, a grief process in a lot of different ways, the dietary grief process. A lot of what I did was make pretty bold choices in terms of diet. And a lot of people don't understand that about why I do that. And I think that's also a challenge with having more of an invisible illness is people see me mm. out helping people, see me out performing see me traveling the world, doing what we do. And then they're like, wait, why are you doing all these weird things with your diet? And there's almost like an element of judgment and like concern. <laughs> um, so grieving that process of maybe not connecting with people over food, which might sound silly, but that's a huge point of camaraderie and bonding for people. And I feel like I gen generally just kind of miss out on that aspect. And I mean, there's plenty of other ways to connect socially and with other people, but um, it is something I've just had to accept about the process. And the, the further along I've come with this, it's easy to focus on all the things that I can't do or I can't eat or whatnot, but it's like, what can I do? And there's so many things that I can still do. There's just a lot of things that actually are still in within my control. And really anything that I've taken out is also a choice. So acknowledging that I have a lot of power and control over even just the things that I'm choosing to do or not to do, I think is helpful. Absolutely. And I would say this is not silly at all. This is one of the biggest challenges that not only myself, I also have an autoimmune disease, but also in many of my clients who are starting the journey to healing and even just hitting reset on their gut health is mm -hmm. how do I approach those social situations? Yeah. How do I bond? How, how, how do I rearrange my, my entire life? And just like what you said, it's not only an investment of time, but it's also money and energy. And when you're not feeling good, that those excess reserves do not, are, most of the time they're not there. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I want to touch a little bit on that social element, right? And I wanted to ask you, where do you think this stigma, I would say, this societal stigma potentially comes from? Because you mentioned this feeling of being left out or guilt or shame, or you notice people's concern mm -hmm. <laughs> when you start to maybe eliminate certain things from your diet. Where do you think that comes from? And I have some of my own kind of personal ideas, but I want to yeah. hear yours first. Well, I would be really open to hearing what you think. I, I yeah. don't totally know. I think some of it is self-imposed. Like, I don't think everyone is judging me when I'm at a restaurant and have to ask for like five modifications on a very yes. simple entree on <laughs> my salad, like five modifications on my salad. I think some of that is just my own self-consciousness of not wanting to be a special case scenario. Yes. And that's, that's definitely, I was going to say a piece of it, especially as women who are, have a tendency to be caretakers and 
people pleasers. And, you know, when we now have to learn how to take care of ourselves on so many different levels and speak our minds and speak up for the things that we need without shame, it is a whole new world for many of us. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and to, I, to do it publicly is also a little different, like at a table at a restaurant in front of a bunch of people and you don't even know how the waiter is going to respond or the waitress, right? You're like, yes. hope this goes well. <laughs> Something I always mention to my clients is, you know, if if you are going out and especially if we're doing some type of protocol, I always just suggest, you know, instead of saying all these things in this piggybacks to what you were just saying, oh, I can't have this, take this off, take this off, just ask the waiter for what you can have. Mm-hmm. Can I please have a grilled chicken, some steamed broccoli and rice? Yeah. You know, it's it's it feels less burdensome and daunting yeah. when you offer somebody a solution to the problem that you feel like you're ha- like either that you the feel like the problem that you feel like you are or that you're having yeah. <laughs> because generally people want to help right people want True. to be helpful but when you offer this list of here are all the things i can't have what do you have for me it's information overload and that's something also that i i really help instill in my clients as well as so, like listen on this page of this ebook is a whole list of things that you can yeah. eat. Just focus on that and get creative with recipes from that list. And it's a huge, long, ext- extensive list. Mm-hmm. Re- in reality, when we look at the things that we can have versus the things that would be beneficial for us yeah. if we eliminate, the list is ex- extensive that we can have. So let's take another step forward here, Carrie. And I want to ask you a little bit, because we've we've hit on the monetary investment of it. And as someone who is also on a personal heal, uh, journey to healing and seeking out naturopathic doctors who majority of them are cash pay yeah. and health coaches and you know therapists that are a little bit off the radar that again none of these people necessarily take insurance so i know that you dealt with grappling with the cost of these personal health care expenses and then the guilt that came with that so can you shed light a little bit about that? And then I also want to ask one backup question as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would assume most people feel this way. I mean, there's a lot of ways to spend money and a lot are way more exciting than paying a doctor's bill. <laughs> like, I don't mind spending money, but there should be some element of like fun or joy in it, right? Yeah, I um, always laugh too, and not to interrupt you, but I think to myself, you know, when I go to my naturopathic doctor here to get my IVs, I'm like, okay, Chelsea, this is fun. Like we're getting vitamins. Like this is a good time. We get to socialize. This is like happy hour. Just looks a little right, bit right. Different crowd, different environment. <laughs> we're in massage chairs instead of bar stools. Yeah, like that is an upgrade, though. I will say that. Yeah. I had a massage <laughs> yesterday, and I, I can't complain. So, no, I think I think taking the benefit of it and noting, like, hey, this is what I'm going to gain from this, and it's really an investment. You're not really spending money on your health. And as an entrepreneur, I'm very good at investing into things. So I just had to reframe it in my mind. Um, you know, whether it's acupuncture or herbs and supplements or some coaching or the massage stuff, or even more of a traditional doctor's appointment, I've just had to accept that like, I deserve to be healthy. I'm worth it. And I think piece of it like yes has it been incredibly expensive I don't even want to know what we spent especially those first couple years right um but I'm worth it I wouldn't change it I wouldn't do it differently and I think if we can say that at the end of the day 
I think we're winning and we're on the right track, right? Absolutely. And I'd have to agree with you. And I really think that the piece of that is really that shift in mindset from that fear-based scarcity mindset. And, And I love the quote I see float around all the time. You know, if you think uh, the cost of being healthy is expensive. Try sickness, mm-hmm. right? And you know that shift of really understanding that this is not a cost. This is an investment because your health is at risk. Mm-hmm. So this investment, if you don't do it, comes at what cost? And in your case, it really was: Am I dying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I so, think, so let me ask. Oops. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and like if you think about people not being able to work because they're not taking care of themselves. I mean, there's a lot of other deeper costs people can have to take on if they don't, if they're not more proactive and willing to invest, right? Absolutely. It's the root of, it's a big root, a big piece of the abundance mindset that I love to talk about so much. You know, it's truly that there's a, there's an element of faith, right? And trust that has to come along with it, but it, it comes from the understanding that there really is enough of the good things in life to go around and every single human being is innately worthy of it. We are innately worthy in all times, in all circumstances, every day, everywhere of all of our hopes and dreams and desires. Mm -hmm. When we start to forget that it's, it's that process of remembering, right? Absolutely. (laughs) So let's take another step forward here because you just brought a really great point there for people who do have to work. You are an ambitious entrepreneur. You have you know, so many amazing things going on and I'm excited to dive into that. But just like what you said, you know, that having that invis- invisible limitations, right? So how did you get through those times where you just really wanted to show up or what was the catalyst or the motivation to be able to pursue your hopes and dreams as an entrepreneur without compromising your well-being? Mm-hmm. It was challenging. I think two things that really helped me, number one, was knowing that if I had to put in 60% effort in a day versus 100, that's what I could bring to the table and not to carry guilt. Um, I'm blessed because my business partner is my husband, so he's definitely was very aware of everything going on in my life. And I think he picked up the slack a little bit when I couldn't, and I'm grateful for that, but that's like any partnership that's life. Right. So, um, yeah, not being guilty, not feeling guilty when you have to put in a little bit less in a given day or hour or month even. And then the other aspect was just being willing to build my threshold at the same time that I was also taking really good care of myself. I posted a LinkedIn video on this the other day. It's like, I'm a huge advocate of self-care. It's immensely important to me. My, my mm-hmm. 20s, my mantra was work hard, play hard. My 30s, it's work hard, play hard, self-care hard. <laughs> <laughs> and in the, same, I love that. in the same, it's also been important for me to grow my threshold on what I can do. And a lot of interpersonal growth, a lot of emotional quotient growth, because things that would have been maybe pushed me past my limits two years ago, because I've worked on growing myself and knowing myself even more and knowing my limits and knowing where I can also push a little bit is what's helped me do more, as well as just the fact that I have actively invested into like working to feel better for a long time that I genuinely do actually feel like I have phases of actually feeling pretty darn good and really trying to do what I can with a lot of joy in my heart in those phases. I think is really important. 
Absolutely. It's sort of that concept. And maybe this is Tony Robbins. I'm not sure. But 1% of nothing is 100% better than 0% or whatever. Right. Exactly. And, and then, like you said, finding compassion for your process. Right. And mm-hmm. I think we live in such a world that praises productivity, that praises the go, 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 the hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm-hmm. And of course, there is a time and a place for that hustle, but without that baseline of well-being, right? If you don't even know where your baseline is, or if your baseline is kind of like a 12 out of 10 and you're just maxed out and like on like jittery all the time and you're crashing and burning, I mean, it is probably time, like you said, to reassess the central nervous system Mm -hmm. back to rest and digest, like hit reset on everything and redefine that baseline of health so that way you can operate optimally and like you said that 60 percent that's a pretty good day right (laughs) and there's times like I know if I travel or I do a lot of public speaking where I'm putting like everything I've got out and giving to other people from an energy perspective like I know for a day or two after that I'm gonna have to take it easy and I know even before that the day or so before I need to plan for some downtime. So it's just getting to know myself and my thresholds better that the whole concept of slowing down to speed up has actually really proven to be a great, great system for me. Yeah. And I would also say across the board for me as well. I mean, even just a day of travel, I know, and my husband knows this too. He says, when you get off that plane, I know not to come near you. (laughs) You know, I mean, not that I'm a miserable person, but I just really need to read. That and I and I've honestly I've made I've learned the hard way you know mm-hmm. where I've started scheduling clients or things to do the next day and it's yeah. just then I have to cancel and then I feel even more guilty. So I think being prepared, being very self aware, and doing what you need to do. So how would you define self care? What does that mean for you? I read a really neat quote the other day. It was like, self-care isn't chocolate and wine and a bubble bath, right? It's just like being proactive with your baseline health and just like taking care of your needs, right? Yeah. And so yeah. that's what I would say is prioritizing our needs, not feeling guilty about it. And lastly, being willing to put down boundaries with confidence and not feeling shame or guilt around drawing a line with what you can and can't do. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that is that mindset work, right? Between redefining where's that guilty thing coming from? And in the long run, is that serving anyone? If you're feeling guilty for going to take an hour massage, but you know, you're going to be a better person on the other side, like you said, slow down to speed up, then why are you feeling guilty for slowing down in the first place? Because you can better serve people on the other side. I'll venture to say that maybe that bubble bath with a glass of wine is part of your self-care, but that is, you know, your own definition of my needs. Like my needs right now are just bye to the world and let me have my zone and my space and and nourish all of my senses. I absolutely love that. So I'd love to hear more about, and please share with my audience, what is it that you do? What do you speak about? What are your businesses? Please share more. Yeah. So um, when I was 22, I launched my first business and I did a lot in the e-commerce space. So I built communities online, but as I scaled that and was able to walk out of my teaching career, because I was more of like a side hustler initially, um, we started a coaching company where we really taught people who were in a similar position as we were. So people that are ambitious, 
they want to build something for themselves, but they're not like the diehard hardcore entrepreneur. They're more of the moderate entrepreneur who wants to, you know, have a su successful career, but then like progressively build something out outside of that. Um, so we take more of like a holistic mentorship approach with those folks and really work on all areas of life because if the whole foundation isn't strong, it's very, very difficult to scale a business effectively. We, mm -hmm. we can all think of celebrities who have done very well in the financial sector, but like they don't have a lot of other great healthy foundations. And that's for us, it was not like, how do we make income? It was how do we leverage business as a tool to create a great life? And so the comprehensive approach has been really, really key for us. Yeah, I would imagine a lot of it has to do with sustainability, mm -hmm. right? How do you build an empire? And, and one of my firm beliefs is that I really operate from is the way we do one thing is the way we do anything and everything, right? So those habits in our lives, that underlying current within us is going to show up in our career and our finances and our relationships and our health. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we might be overcompensating in one area of our life and maybe our career is taken off or, you know, maybe our relationship is really solid and great, but, you know, maybe our health and well-being isn't doing so well, or maybe our connection to the divine is just not there at all. You know, there's all pieces of the life pie, but yeah. in order to have that sustainability, I mean, I always laugh. It's like, I've got my therapist, I've got my energy worker, I've got my holistic doctor, I've got my business coach, I've got my health coach, you know? It's yeah. All of the support. So yeah, that holistic approach is amazing. Yeah, and, and the way we help people, it's more of a long-term play, right? So especially if you're going to build a side hustle, it's not going to grow overnight because you're not investing hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're not putting in 80 hours a week. So it's just going to take people longer to build it out. But the idea is as you do that, it's, it's very long-term and ongoing in nature. And that's, that's our whole goal with businesses. Again, like how do we buy our time back? Cause a lot of people put business in one category, but self-employment, small business and big business are really two different things and they create a very different lifestyle. And we really wanted to be able to control our time in a way that only big business could afford. So um, we knew it would take a little bit of time and sweat equity. And we were pretty busy throughout our twenties doing the hustle. Um, but it's been actually probably one of the best forms of self-care is to you know, create that time back in my life. Cause I, I think it would have been really extra difficult to not have had the resources or the time to devote to taking care of myself. And I do, I do empathize with people cause we all have our different level of resources to pull from. Um, so it's a, it's a creative process on how we allocate that all. But I do think the more people can control their time, it goes a long way for how they dedicate that time then. Right. Yeah, being intentional about that time. And something I want to ask you, you know, in regards to the Hashimoto's in general, you know, and where you are now and looking at things holistically in the self-care, what were some of the needle moving things for you that, and of course, this is not medical advice, no. everyone should seek their own doctors, but I'm just curious in your experience, of course, as well as someone who also has gone around the gamut checking different things out in regards to autoimmune disease. Was there anything that really shifted the needle for you that said, wow, I'm actually really starting to finally feel better? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a couple things that went a long way for me was once I had a diagnosis, 
I'm a huge lover of the medical system. Like modern medicine is really important. And I, I genuinely respect anyone that, you know, works within the Western medical model. Um, but it has its limitations like anything else, right? And so I was very aware of that. And so the biggest suggestion that I could give is like, get a second angle, not just a second opinion, but like a second perspective and finding more of a naturopathic doctor. And now I've been able to find more of a functional doctor too, to like kind of bridge the gap because what was so challenging for me is I was working with a regular doctor, working with a naturopath, and then trying to piecework my own plan together because they were speaking totally different languages, right? And so I think if you have to do that for a little while, I think that's really valuable because they both have value. Both perspectives have a lot of value. And the best thing I did then was find more of a functional practitioner who could really speak to both sides of the, the perspective. But um, that's, that's been one place that's been important. Also self-education, it takes a long time. And I still don't really even feel like I understand the thyroid or endocrinology. It is so complicated. I wish I had studied harder in my biology classes. <laughs> um, but like, I didn't even know what the thyroid was before I got Hashimoto's and that's sort of embarrassing, but I think it's important to be honest. Like I didn't even know what the thyroid was or where it was or what it did. So just a willingness to understand things a little bit better to people's comfort level, of course. Um, and then just being willing to be resilient. And if you don't feel like you're getting the right answers or a good plan that feels empowering to you. I think that's a good indication that you need to keep looking for maybe a different resource. Because I remember the day when I went to the one practitioner, it was like, oh my gosh, I actually feel empowered right now. Like there's things I can do, I can take action on that I know will make a difference. And it's that hope. We all need hope in our journey. And if that's gone, I think we got to keep fighting and keep pushing forward and getting more answers or different different resources because that's it's all we have at, at the end of the day with certain illnesses is just like a little extra hope that what we're doing is going to make a difference and that we will feel better at some point point. and I think I think that's the other message I would give to people is like a certain sense of optimism um, I've been on some different group chats and like Facebook groups or whatnot of people with Hashimoto's. And I've had to turn down the noise at certain points because it is a lot of people with just still a lot of sadness and anger and not a lot of hope. And I think I got a lot of answers and resources from those groups, but it's also like knowing when to put the boundaries on where I'm at in my journey versus maybe some of the folks that are really vocal in those spaces and just being willing to like follow my own intuition on what's actually helpful for me at each phase. Yeah. You hit so many good points there and I can speak a lot. I really resonate with this. You know, I have psoriasis also categorized as an autoimmune disease. And I always say, you know, as a health coach, I think sometimes I can be um, misperceived as someone who might not believe in Western medicine. And that's really not the case at no, all. Right. Yeah. It is, bless that medicine. I always say it, you know, if that medication is helping you take it, bless it before you take it and know that, uh, it is making you help, helping you to feel better. Mm -hmm. So feel grateful for that medicine. And, you know, I'll, I'll even venture to say that, you know, God put that information in the world and the people to figure it out in order to help us. And, and that holistic approach again, you know, is so it, it's that sustainable, 
it puts a little bit of light on the limitations when it comes to chronic illnesses, you know, mm -hmm. where I think Western medicine, at least for me, has shown their limitations, right? In chronic illnesses, sometimes we're just not quite there yet, yeah. especially in regards to autoimmune disease. And they're doing a lot of amazing work out there to try to research it and figure it out. But really having that secondary or even tertiary perspective on what could be going on, I think is so important. I love what you said about that. So for someone listening to this right now who's saying, yep, I'm having some of these similar symptoms, you know, my anxiety, I'm having random pain, my energy levels are all over the place. Where could they start to look for maybe that second or third perspective? What might be a good resource for them? You know, hop on the internet or what, what would you recommend for someone to find another doctor to help them? Yeah. I mean, I do think the internet's an amazing resource. I mean, we always have to use discretion. I think people know that, but I do think that's the beauty of the internet is just getting access to a lot of different people's experiences. And there is just a limit into documented, well-researched things with autoimmune. Like you said, it's many years behind. So yeah. I've, I've gained a lot of benefit from other people's stories. And that's why I do feel so compelled to be vocal. I, I like to be private in a lot of ways, but this just feels almost just like necessity. Like I wish I had heard somebody's story in those two years that I was struggling because that would have been a light bulb moment for me. And yeah, I think access people who have referrals because now that I have good tools in my tool belt, I love sharing those with people because they're people I trust and know that they really know their stuff and have people's best interest. So getting referrals, I think, is very positive. And you can do that online too. It doesn't have to be a referral from somebody that you personally know, but if you if you feel like they've got a good person that they've accessed and then and vetting vetting people, right? Mm. I do that with yeah. any any professional in any area of my life is making sure that you feel like they're genuinely qualified to handle like what you're bringing to the table and that they've got experience and success in that regard. I love that. Do your own research. And just like you said, you know, hearing other people's stories, and I had a very similar experience with a lot of the Facebook groups out there and people with psoriasis. And the, like you said, it's knowing how to learn and share and listen to people's experiences, but also trusting your intuition, trusting your gut when you're feeling like maybe this isn't serving me anymore. Yeah. Maybe the di maybe the dialogue here is not helpful at the end of the day and uh, knowing where to put your own boundaries up and when to, like you said, turn down the noise and be relentless in your own pursuit of what makes you happy, right? It's good to feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. So let's, um, I think we're good. Is there anything else here? I mean, we've hit on so many different topics. Is there anything else that you'd love to leave our listeners with kind of on that note for someone that is on the journey and maybe feeling just a little bit down in the dumps today? Maybe this is the message that they need to hear today. Yeah, I, I mentioned hope. Yes. At, at certain phases of my journey, I felt a little bit powerless and I think it's important to figure out like where your power lies and to feel empowered gives you a lot of magic in your hands and a lot of autonomy and control. And so there's a lot of things I couldn't control, a lot of things every day I could and focus on those areas and, and bring that optimism, bring that hope. And 
I think that general goodness that we put out into the world is also really healing for our bodies. And that would be my last message is that you are, you are powerful. You can be empowered. Sometimes you have to look harder for it, but it's there. Amen to that and be relentless on that pursuit, right? Surround yourself with the people who are going to continue to lift you up and empower you. Mm -hmm. So Carrie, you are one of those people for me. I know that. And for my listeners, where can they go to find you? Yeah. So I am on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's a great spot to find me under Carrie Boleg. Um, I'm also on Instagram under that same handle. And yeah, definitely reach out. I, I really enjoy connecting with people on a deeper level. And if I can ever be a resource to people, let me know. Amazing. Awesome. And I'll definitely for sure put those links in the show notes. And I'd love to wrap it up with just one final question. And that is what does the term optimal health mean to you? Ooh, that's a very good question. And I'd love to hear your, your answer to this. Um, I think feeling as good as we can in each moment to me would be optimal health. And that's going to look different throughout the day and throughout the week and month. Um, but that would be my definition. I love that. I love that so much because it, it probably of all the definitions I've heard that most resonates with how I feel about optimal health, you know, and I don't think I've ever actually answered it on record yet, but yeah, optimal health to me means feeling good in the moment, no matter what that is. And that doesn't mean always being positive or always being happy, but it means accepting the emotion that is coming through you and allowing it to move through you and then moving forward from that place guilt-free. I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carrie. This has been nourishing. This has been informative. This has been helpful. I hope anyone listening to this today has been able to take away some inspiration and some knowledge. And I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was really fun to share. appreciation. I know how valuable and precious our time is in today's world of productivity, and I couldn't be more grateful for yours today. If you feel that this episode was of value to you, I would be even more grateful if you were to share it with your people. Go ahead and copy and paste that link into messages, or if you're feeling really creative, pop a screenshot of the episode into your Instagram stories and send it on over to that person in your life who might need this boost of inspiration today. Don't forget to tag the podcast handle Let's Start Health and my personal account, The Yogi Yachty, so we can have all the fun connecting, building community, and sharing all the things. Thank you again, and remember, be curious and unwavering on this journey to health.